let me ask you something. What do you think it takes to be successful both in your marriage and with your finances? Do you see fights and disagreements about money as an indication that something's wrong in your relationship? Or do you see it as an opportunity to grow closer and start building wealth together? Today, we're going to look at the techniques, tactics, and strategies of couples who win with money, but don't start off on the same page. How can you work through these disagreements and create a plan that you're both happy with? Find out today. Welcome to the Couple Money Podcast, where we're focused on helping spouses get on the same page, dump their debt faster, and get on the path to financial freedom together. Support for this podcast comes from 5 Days to 5K Course. A big headache for many couples in the community is they know what they need to do. They need to knock down this debt or save up for a big goal. The question is, where does this money come from? Budget's tight. So I designed a free week-long course that will show you step-by-step how to find, save, and make some extra money. And it's broken down into manageable chunks because I know we are all busy. You can sign up at couplemoney.com 5k. From my own personal experience and talking with other couples, I realized there's a tendency in a lot of marriages to not talk about money until something goes wrong which can be a big mistake because it can cause a tremendous stress if we brush it aside or wait for something wrong to happen. Now, we've mentioned this many times on the podcast, including last week when we talked with Bill Dwight. The fact is, after we take care of those essential bills, how we spend money is really about what our priorities and what our values are. Let me ask you, when's the last time you guys talked about that? as a couple. Today, we're going to dig in deep with how we can get on the same page, even if we have completely different takes on money. I usually don't have two guests on, but I think today it is absolutely important because one, I want to share how there are certain principles that can help every couple establish communication and a system that works for them. And then two, There are going to be times when you have to carve out your own path. How do you do that? What questions should you be asking and discussing together? Her Money Matters author Jen Hemphill and Zeta CEO Adati Shaker are here to talk about their personal experiences and their professional insights on how couples can work together on their finances. In this episode, we get into creating your goals and your own money system, finding a budget you're both on board with and how to deal with tricky situations like lending to family without straining your marriage or your money. I think you'll hear a lot of familiar stuff if you've been married for some time, and you'll also get some new ideas with this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's funny how opposites attract. When talking to Jen and Adati separately, there was a lot of overlap with how our personalities fit into our relationships and how our ideas about money were completely different than our spouses when we met them. Let's admit it. We come into a relationship kind of with our own ideas about money, right? Of course. And our ideas are the right ones. Yes. There's Mm -hmm. no other way to do it. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) 
but we when we come with that mindset, it's such a surprise when our spouses just have almost the complete opposite, it seems, take on money. How do you find that balance? Yes, absolutely. Because we have completely different upbringings. I came from, even though we both came from households where money was a little bit scarce, money was uh, both of our parents were hard workers. My My side of the family was, or my parents were more of, well, we don't have the money, so we can't get it, right? Uh, and versus his family, they may not have had the money, but they were going to get it anyway, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, because they wanted to provide a better, a better uh, environment or better life for their children mm-hmm. that they had. And granted, my parents did too, but they they just, they, you know, for example, I wanted to be a professional dancer. I got one darn jazz class. <laughs> out of the deal and I was probably I don't know third or fourth grade I did one recital that was it so that was the end of my career uh and until college but it was a brilliant career (laughs) so and that was it because they didn't have the money and uh versus um my husband's parents where he was in you know basically playing soccer out of the womb uh did the travel soccer was trapped you know did all the stuff uh soccer related. And uh, of course that came with expenses, uh, which his parents would get into debt. Uh, So it was just completely different views. I'm like, well, we don't have the money, so we can't spend it. Even though my parents did get into debt and hit their views is like, well, we don't have the money, but we're going to make the best. And even if it means getting into debt. The the way I kind of see it is like, they're like these unconscious money scripts that we have that we play out Mm -hmm. and we're not even aware of until we're having these conversations like, wait a minute, you see money this way or you handle your finances? Yeah. So, Al, it's so funny that you say that because one of my favorite uh, pieces of research when I was starting data was really um, this woman named Olivia Mellon, who's been a, a money psychologist for 30, 40 years. And one of the best things, the best pieces of insight she gave me is she said, Aditi, um, it doesn't matter if you marry your money similar what ends up happening is if two savers get married or two spenders get married, they inevitably move in opposite directions. So she jokes that you really do marry your opposite. And so the fact that your community is, is saying this and talking about that insight is, I think, just so uh, telling of Olivia's research. With your own relationship, how did you handle money before you guys got together? You know, what's funny about my husband and I is uh, we are very different money personalities. Um, he is he's more carefree. He's more um, sort of, you know, he's like, if I earn an income, I want to be able to live a comfortable life. Whereas um, my personality is more like, I don't love spending money unless I think it's going to make me money, in which case I'm willing to go take the risk. And, and it's funny because when we, you know, one of the things that we did is we started having these conversations with each other about sort of how we learned these habits or what motivated us to think this way or the other way. And what we learned was that so much of it, of it was about where we grew up and, and how we grew up and, you know, some of the behaviors that we learned from our parents or our grandparents. Um, and my husband's case, you know, they didn't really talk about money at home. Um, and he sort of, their, his parents, you know, made a good income. And so he never really had to worry about this idea of, is there going to be enough? Whereas my parents, you know, in the early days weren't very well off. Um, and they worked very hard uh, to, you know, get in a, a much better situation over their lives. But that 
always forced us to think about things like, oh, can we afford this thing? Or can we, uh, you know, we used to have a motorcycle that we used to ride on together, the, the four of us. And, and so it was just those things that we were young when we were young and quirky that, you know, we never even realized that we didn't have money, but it was just things that, that got bred into us. And to this day, my mom's done really well for herself, but she always says to me, she says, I, I hate buying bottled water. It's just such a waste of money. <laughs> um, and it, it really makes me laugh because there's so much of that personality that's still in her and has affected the way I think about this. Whereas my husband would happily walk into stores by, you know, bottled water and the brand name one, not even like the basic one. Adi, you mentioned like a couple of things and I think it's really important to kind of separate is we get these habits from not just watching what our parents are doing, but it can be like culture. It can be um, yeah. what's going on with the economy and our neighborhoods. Like there's so many different factors and yeah. how we handle finances sometimes almost is either we're in line with our parents or we yeah. kind of rebel against that. And I yeah. wanted to get an idea of like, what money lessons did your parents pass on to you? Yeah. And, and you know, I would emphasize that. I think what's been fascinating to me is we have seen people, I've talked to couples who are just like, I know I'm going to be in debt my whole life. And that's just how it is. And when I ask them, why, why do you feel that way? They're like, oh, because my parents were always in debt. Whereas there are other couples I've spoken to who are like, my parents have no retirement account and I have never want to be in that situation. So I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to get things right. And so you're so right. Like our, our seeing our parents and, and watching them go through these dynamics is something that's really powerful and a huge motivator for our individual experiences. Um, and in my case specifically, I think one of the things my parents did was they were just really conscious. So every time we wanted to buy something or we wanted some toy, our parents really made us process how much things cost and they actually made us work for it. So I remember we had, my brother and I had a list of chores that we had to do around the house and we earned different amounts of money for different chores. Um, and today's rates, we might call it child labor, but you know, <laughs> it was, it was definitely, um, you know, we had to wash my mom's car or we had to, walk the dog or whatever it was that they wanted us to do. And, and what that taught us was that if we wanted to buy more toys or if we wanted to uh, just have access to things that our parents weren't willing to give us or didn't fit into our allowance or whatever, we'd have to go figure out ways to earn it. So one of the earliest things that my brother and I did is we, you know, we wanted to buy this Archie's comic. We're like dating ourselves, but <laughs> we wanted to buy this, this Archie's comic and it just wasn't going to work our allowance. Um, and our, my parents have said, look, guys, you've gotten enough comics this month, so if you want to buy this, go find a way to earn more money. And I organized with one of my best friends, organized a paper plane flying contest. And we literally went all over our neighborhood, sold tickets to our paper plane flying contest, and used that money to go buy a ton more art. But it was wow. a really great lesson. Yeah, it was, it was just a really great lesson for us because it taught us that you know you have the option if you want something that you can go work for it or find come up with creative ways to go earn more money to get it that's so it sounds like it almost like a money culture shock when you guys got together do you remember 
the first conversation was like, was there an instant where he was kind of going for, well, we can afford it with a credit card or were you like, no, how did it go? Actually, no, because he knew how I was about money. Like when, when we, our first, it wasn't necessarily about money that we had mm-hmm. our first conversation, it led to money, but it was about our roles as uh, as a couple, like mm-hmm. my parents, there were the hippies, right? So my mom was like, you know, very strong, you know, very strong woman still is to this day. And that influenced me that I had, you know, needed to be independent, needed to have a career. And I noticed in our conversations was that even though his mom had a career, she was more the traditional housewife of taking care of the kids, cooking. And I'm like, (laughs) if you're thinking you're going to get that, yes, I'm going to help out. Obviously, I'm not that bad, but I, you're going to step up right? I saw my dad stepping up and cooking and taking care of us and all that. And I was wanting to make sure. So our roles of what, what I saw, um, and what I felt was correct, right? We all Mm -hmm. have different perspectives did lead into the conversations of, okay, uh, how, you know, in terms of spending and, and, uh, and how I was, I mean, I laid it down. I'm like, I have this. He knew when we met mm-hmm. that uh, I had a job. And yeah. I was um, paying off my first car, and my goal was, you know, to start investing, saving for that first house. Whether you know it was because it was just going to be me. I thought, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he knew how I was about money. So that did start those conversations. How did you guys approach money the first time? Do you even re- like remember that conversation? I mean, when was that in your relationship? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, funnily enough, it actually came very early on in our relationship. Summer and I met in college. We were going to school at UNC Chapel Hill, and both of us had been friends for a long time before we started dating. So our first official date when we're, you know, in, we're, I can't even remember. I think it was like a very cheap restaurant, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, early on that we're sitting down in the date, and I said, hey, I just want to make things clear. Like, I'm expecting to pay half the bill. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, we were both college students and yeah. we were lucky enough that we were, you know, we were, um, our parents were helping us get through school, but we had a budget and we had to stick to it. And I said, hey, since we're both college students, it makes sense for me to pay 50% of this bill. And he was really taken aback at first. And then he kind of looked at me and said, cool, I really appreciate that. And that sort of set the tone for our entire relationship where, no matter how our circumstances changed and evolved, if one person earned more than the other, it became really important to us to split things. Um, and mm-hmm. even if we didn't always split them 50-50, uh, yeah. we always sort of split them, you know, because it was mm-hmm. important to each of us that we both contributed. I'm curious, how do you guys handle your finances? Do you do like these regular check-ins, like a date, or is it more formal? It's not as formal. So basically, you would think we talk about finances all the time, but we have it so set up where, yes, we check in as as needed. Um, I do, I still uh, manage the household budget, which um, I keep on telling myself, I should just give it to him. He can take, you know, I've been doing it for 18 years. Why not just to give those duties to him? Uh, But then I'm afraid what will happen. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, no, he, he, he he can do a good job. It's just that he, 
he hasn't done it. Sometimes when you take on those roles and then you shift them to your spouse, they've gotten used to you doing it. You're, it's it's kind of hard to shift. But anyways, so we have with the way our uh, system is set up is it's. Um, of course you've heard of the cash envelope system. Mm -hmm. We have that, but for, but virtual envelopes. So we have different, we have different accounts for different purposes. Mm -hmm. And that really has helped us attract the money much easier, know what's on the different accounts instead of doing the extra math. So for example, uh, when we put aside money for travel, it goes as, as in its own account versus putting money aside and then mentally or on paper figuring out, okay, out of this whole amount, this is for travel. This is for, uh, the future, the car maintenance, and this is yeah. whatever it is, right. For gifts. So it's just easier for us to separate it. And because that's easier just to, um, track, uh, visualize, and then have those conversations. Okay. Like for example, money for a family, all right, let's look at what's in that account. Can we do it? Yes or no, we can't do it. Or this is what we, how much we can do out of what they need. So it makes it for easier conversations um, as well. Uh, but so we don't have like every single week a money conversation, uh, but it's more of, uh, for example, there's one account where money goes into that's for like a daily expenses uh, mm -hmm. for groceries, those type of things. Yeah. Uh, so we do have to communicate because we use that same card. <laughs> uh, so if we don't communicate, Hey, I've uh, spent uh, or I went to the grocery store or I, I, I tanked up the car, those type of things, mm -hmm. uh, then uh, that can be trouble. Right. Or yeah. if, especially if we don't check the app. So in those instances, he knows primarily out of that account is mainly to use for groceries. So we do have those quick conversations. Okay. Uh, we want to go out to a dinner or to a movie or um, yeah. is that doable? Do we have to transfer some money from like some of fun account, that type of thing. So we, those type of conversations we have, and then we do try to make sure that we see where we're at with our goals mm -hmm. Uh, talk to a financial planner as well. Um, and even though that is not consistent as I want it to <laughs> at this time, honestly, yeah. in real, but um, we, we do try to look at what our, um, where we are in our goals, mm -hmm. um, at least once a year, especially it's usually around like Christmas time, the new year's, the resolutions, yeah. all that time is where we, where I take a look, what, how are we doing? And then we have those conversations. How often do you guys go over the numbers? Is it like a weekly or monthly thing? How do you do it? Yeah, so what we find, and this is actually, again, super common in a lot of couples I speak with, is there tends to be a CFO very often in a relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and that CFO can be, you know, any either partner, frankly. Um, and what we find is that the CFO tends to look at the numbers more closely. Um, some people look at it sometimes daily, and some will look at it weekly. Um, just to get a sense of how things are going. Are we on track? Are we over? Are we under? You know, wh what are we, we up to? Um, but then my husband and I get together once a month and we have our money date. And it's, uh, you know, we've, we've committed to always having our money date, but doing it with chocolate molten lava cake. So my husband and I have chocolate molten lava cake and our money date because it makes the conversation so much easier and so much more delicious. And we use that conversation to get a sense of how we did the previous month. We typically have it in the first week of the next month, just so we can say, look, how did we do in July? Or how did we do in June? Mm -hmm. um, and then we also use that conversation to plan for anything that might be coming up in the next month. 
So you can see there's this connection between what we picked up with our money habits from the family we were born into and what we bring into the relationship with this new family as a married couple working together towards our goals. And there's obviously going to be times when you guys disagree on what to do. And key to that is compromise. But actually, how do you do it? Jen was kind enough to talk about a situation that a lot of families deal with. Lending money to relatives that might be in a tight spot. This can cause a lot of stress with a relationship if you're not careful. But I think she and her husband did a fantastic job and offer some great advice. One one main difference that we had was in uh, helping family. Yeah. Like we both like to help family, but he's more of the type where someone, let's say, is having a hard time financially. Mm-hmm. He just gives to give. Right. Yeah. And for me, not, and it, it sounds like cold hearted on my part, but I'm like, I was always, we need to take care of ourselves first before we can help others. And I don't mind helping others, but we mm-hmm. have to take care of ourselves first. And I didn't, didn't really understand his thought process and giving to give uh, because then I learned, well, if you lend uh, money to a family member, you might not get that back. And then that's going to cause problems. He already knew that probably from my experience. <laughs> I haven't asked that. So that's, that was like one part that we had to work on because we weren't on the same page on that. Uh, but eventually it worked out. Yeah. You're right? not in a bind with that. And so like that, to me is an example where it's not like no one's a bad guy or, you know, no one's wrong. It's how do you find a way where you're both comfortable and happy about that? So like with that situation, how did you work out? Do you have like a general policy? Like, Hey, this is how we, yes. Yeah. So I knew having the heart that he has and, and giving and being helpful as part of like who he is as a human being. So I wasn't going to change that. And, and, you know, changing people, that's just not, that's just not cool. I don't think. But so basically what we worked out over time was that we started putting some money aside mm-hmm. for those purposes. So it has its own account. Mm-hmm. Uh, a certain amount of money goes there every month. And then when, if something uh, happens and a family member needs money, uh, obviously we have the conversation and whatever is in there, that's where we tap into. Because the problem I had was we were doing all these different things and mm. it interfered with our goals, right? Yeah. It interfered with uh, putting money and more money away for retirement or at that time getting out of debt, all those things. So that was my issue was it interfered or we would be depleting our emergency savings and having to build up again. But if we set some money aside, you decide what that is and what that looks like and how that fits into uh, your monthly uh, flow of things, yeah. uh, then it's already, it's set aside and it's not going to disrupt what you're trying to do. That was yeah. the issue with me. So that has worked. Um, because, and then it's funny cause then, uh, the amount of times that we get asked for money is less. It still happens, mm-hmm. but, um, but at least we know, okay, this is what they need. Uh, can we do it? What do we have? in that specific account. Early on, it was, uh, they always knew, family always knew it was a conversation to be had between us because my, and it's something that I learned with my, from my husband that I thought was really good, something that I respect. When when it comes to family and marriage, and it's different for everybody, but uh, what he values is uh, we're that, you know, we're one, right? Mm -hmm. And we, 
we and our kids, our direct immediate family, the ones that live in this house comes first, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really what he values. And any decision that needs to be made is made within. And it's not, um, how do I say that? We, we just come first and like in his eyes and the same with us. So for example, if, um, someone needs money or we have to have those conversations. It's not just like he decides on his own or or I decide on my own. It's like really what it's in the best interest for um, our direct family. Before we close up, I want to focus on some key takeaways I got from talking with Jen and Adati. The first one is find common ground. I don't think you have to go very far with couples to find what you don't agree on or where the differences are. So if you can, start with the common ground that you have. Now, for some of us, it's the goals that we have that we want to achieve. That's a great start. Or it might be the financial system, like who handles the day-to-day finances or what tools you're going to use that you have that common ground. Start there and then build up. It's easier to work together when you already have the mindset that you're a team. The second one is create your budget and spending plan together. Have you heard, it's common for a lot of couples to have one kind of go-to person when it comes to finances, the handles, the day-to-day stuff, the budgeting, executing the bills, all that. That does not mean that one person has all the say or power when it comes to finances. Even if you are the financial expert, This is a marriage. This is a team. So the two of you should sit down and create this plan together. What goals are you guys trying to achieve? And how do you think your finances should go? And then finally, this is tying it all together. Have regular check-ins. Now, we call it money dates. You might call it something else. But the important thing is that you have a consistent way, not just to go over the numbers, but to talk together. What's going well? What's changed? change is a part of life. So how do you adjust? Maybe your goals are different. So whatever you call it, make sure you have something regular and consistent. And every couple is different, but a pattern I see is either on a monthly basis to go over the plans for next month or on a weekly basis, something much shorter, just to make sure that the spending is going according to what you guys want. Now, these guidelines have been crucial and valuable both to us and to many couples I've had on the podcast. However, based on your personalities and your particular goals, your system may be very different than ours or even of your closest friends. If you want to swap notes on what's working and what's not and get ideas on things to try out, please join our community over at Thriving Families. It's a free and private group on Facebook so if you're interested and want to join, it's over at couplemoney.com slash FB. And if you two are looking for a solution with your finances, please check out Zeta. Zeta is specifically designed for couples to help you guys stay on top of your money and track all your accounts in one easy to use spot. Just head over to couplemoney.com slash Z-E-T-A. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I'll have links in the show notes so you can connect with Jen and Adati. The resources we mentioned, including how you can learn more about Zeta, plus more over at Couple Money. 
And if you're looking for another podcast to add to your list, let me make a suggestion. Well, maybe two. Jen's podcast, Her Money Matters, has some wonderful episodes. And she's coming out with a new one soon. Here are all the details. So I've had the Her Money Matters podcast for three years. And because being Latina, I'm a Latina uh, and speak uh, Spanish, I have been wanting for the past couple of years to create a sister podcast to the Her Money Matters podcast, just in Spanish or literally in Spanglish. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's called Su Dinero Importa. So again, it's a sister podcast. It's literally... Uh, going to uh, focus on the same topics uh, and it's going to be um, executed in the same way as the Her Money Matters podcast. It's just going to be different guests. Uh, the topics in terms when I do solo episodes, uh, if you're trying to learn Spanish, uh, you can listen to the one in English on the Her Money Matters podcast for solo episodes and then you'll see the one in Spanish on the Su Dinero Importa podcast. So it's really uh, just going to be focused the same dynamic in terms mm-hmm. of women, but it's going to be professional um, women here in the U.S. that are Latin, Latinas yes. uh, and helping them. So it's just niching down some mm-hmm. uh, in terms of who, uh, but basically the same, uh, the same topic and, and different guests. You can sign up for a podcast wherever you prefer listening to them. And don't forget, Stacking Benjamins is going on tour. Joe and his team are going to be kicking it off next Tuesday, September 25th in Orlando at the Improv Comedy Tour. So if you want a date night, unlike anything else out there, grab your tickets now. Just head over to stackingbenjamins.com slash tour. Our theme song was written by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosevere. And most importantly, I want to say thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Take care.